0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Thank you, Luke, and thanks to all of you for being here with me, reminding me that I'm not alone with my disease. Uh, I was on a Zoom call with my sponsor yesterday, he has a weekly Zoom call for his sponsees. And he read the first sentence of the problem. Many of us felt inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. And uh, that's how I felt much of my life. Uh, When I first entered adolescence, I became aware that I was not normal. I was not normal. Uh, I had fantasies running in my head that were deviant fantasies, uh, and uh, I was attracted to girls my own age, but I had deviant desires as well. So I was feeling very alone. I didn't think there was anybody else in the world who was like me. I felt unworthy and dirty. Uh, I was attracted to girls, but uh, I felt a terrible gulf between me and them. Uh, I didn't see how they could want to have anything to do with me. Uh, at that time, I thought girls possessed a, some kind of magic, they were magical creatures. And if I could have one, uh, she would make me complete. Uh, please connect with me and make me whole. Uh, but I couldn't approach girls. They seemed unreachable and they scared me. Now, if this sounds pretty, pretty glum, it was. Uh, I felt terribly alone and had no way of coping with it. Didn't have any adults that I could talk to. Uh, The culture I grew up in, uh, you you didn't talk about feelings, uh, didn't talk about anything out of the ordinary. And uh, so uh, I had nobody to communicate with. In my teens, I tried to relate to girls, but I was masturbating uh, compulsively. Uh, I had fantasies in my head all the time and uh, and felt unworthy. Uh, in my 20s, I... I had difficulties relating to women, I built a wall around myself. And the wall, one reason for the wall was to prevent me from breaking out in some terrible actions imposing my lust upon others. The other reason for the wall was to keep my secret My secret was that I was not normal. Uh, Really back in those adolescent days, uh, I I didn't know the word deviant. That was not in my vocabulary yet, but uh, I did have the word pervert in my vocabulary. And uh, so that was my feeling about myself. Now, in my twenties, I desperately wanted to get married because I thought marriage would make me normal. I would have a woman in my life. Uh, I would have companionship. And and I still felt that women had some kind of magic. She could make me complete. Uh, and I could have all the sex I wanted, right? That was my vision of marriage. Uh, well, I had a hard time relating to women, and uh, it was only in my late 20s that I found a woman who uh, who I thought I could marry and tried to convince her to marry me. Uh, she She had her doubts. She didn't think she was ready for marriage, but I discounted her. Her ideas. I discounted her feelings that she wasn't ready because uh, I was motivated. I had a program. My program was to get married, to get normal. And my perception is that I, I wore her resistance down until eventually she married me. And we told each other we loved each other. That's what you do when you're planning to get married. Did I love her? Was I capable of love? That's a question that I had, by the way, in my 20s. Was I capable of love? And it's a, in a sense, that's the right question. On the other hand, it's kind of a terrible question to ask oneself. Uh, but I was convinced that this marriage was the right thing. Uh, so we got married. And, uh, I was not ready for marriage. I was in my late twenties. I should have been ready for marriage, but I was not ready for marriage. Uh, I had this idea that, uh, I would be in control of the marriage. Uh, I was the man, uh, the man knew the answers and the woman followed the man, uh, Unfortunately, although it really was, in the long run, it was fortunate. But unfortunately uh, for me at the time, my new wife had other ideas. She didn't want to follow me in all things. Uh, But that that was my attitude when I got married. And uh, that began a uh, a 10-year marriage, a very rough marriage, uh but those 10 years were the beginning of my opening up uh because uh I the only most direct way I can put it is I got my nose rubbed into who I was uh I began to realize that I was not the person I thought I was, uh, that I was somebody else uh, who I didn't know, but I began to realize that uh, I had, I had certain ideas that were unhealthy. Uh, Now, what are some of the means that God used to Uh, that God used to open me up. Uh, We started marriage counseling after we were married for five years. My wife finally did something outrageous enough to get my attention. So we both went to marriage counseling and uh, we both went with the idea that we were going to get her straightened out. And uh, it turned out that we were going to get me straightened out. I, I don't know whether she ever got straightened out. Uh, but the marriage counseling began. It gave me a venue where I could talk about myself uh, safely with the counselor, and uh, I began to open up. But the main vehicle of my of change for me in those ten years was uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not an alcoholic. But uh, I discovered in 1975 that I had uh, a person in my family who had a drinking problem. And I went to an open AA meeting with that person. And, uh, uh, And when I went to AA, I expected to see a bunch of old drunks leaning against the wall, hardly able to stand up. And what I discovered was a bunch of people with much more spiritual life than I dreamed of. And uh, I, I was immediately told that I was an Al-Anon. An Al-Anon is someone who has someone with a drinking problem in their family or in their life. Uh, I was told I was an Al-Anon. I could go to Al-Anon meetings. But I immediately started going to open AA meetings. I couldn't go to closed AA meetings. Of course, I'm not an alcoholic. But there were lots of open AA meetings. And for the next 10 years, I went to hundreds of open AA meetings. I went to more AA meetings than a lot of alcoholics. And I didn't know why, I didn't know why. Uh, uh, I did know that I felt accepted there. I felt at home there, uh, But and I kept going back. Uh, I began to work the steps as an Al-Anon by myself I couldn't really tell my Al-Anon sponsor about my acting out. I didn't feel I could, uh, but I began working the steps on my own. And, uh, and I noticed uh, that the alcoholics who came into the, to the AA program looking lower than low, looking like they, they had no belief in themselves, looking like they felt that they were ugly, the ones that kept coming back, I noticed they became beautiful. That was my perception. They became beautiful. The men and the women, they became beautiful. And I wanted to be beautiful like them. And I, I, I couldn't do it the AA way because I'm not an alcoholic. I didn't know how to become beautiful. I ended the alcoholics when they would talk about talk to each other about if you want to take a drink, Call one of us. Uh, I didn't have anyone I could call and tell what was going on in my head. Uh, I still had those uh, those terrible fantasies going on in my head. Uh, but that began to open me up. Now, I didn't become a person who was able to really be in touch with his feelings yet, but I began to, to talk about feelings at least. I remember I had a, a rule for myself uh, in AA meetings and discussion meetings, my rule was I had to speak at least once during the hour uh, and preferably about a feeling. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, that was a very rudimentary kind of training for myself. I had to speak at least once during the hour. Uh, and I'd usually speak early in the hour so I could take the pressure off myself to think of something good to say. And, and that was, that was how, uh, how primitive my, uh, my, my thinking was, uh, after 10 years that marriage ended, uh, one of the reasons it lasted 10 years was that I'm so stubborn. I didn't want to admit failure. I fear failure and I didn't want to admit failure and, and divorce would mean failure. But after 10 years, uh, I accepted divorce. Uh, immediately, I began to date again. I wasn't ready to date. I knew very little about how to be married after 10 years, but I began to date again. Uh, one difference, though, was I made a, a rule for myself, kind of like that rule where I had to speak up at least once during an AA meeting. I made a rule, rule for myself that when I was with a woman, that I was going to be honest about my feelings. Now, again, I was not totally in touch with my feelings, but uh, I, if I felt uh, frightened about something with a woman, I would tell her. And uh, I was practicing. I was practicing being honest. Uh, and what I found was, unexpectedly, the women liked it. Uh, so, if if I were to write a, a uh, if I were to write a textbook on courting, I might uh, put that in it. Uh, uh, reveal some uh, reveal some feelings to the uh, to the woman, and uh, she'll like it. Uh, now I didn't expect that. Thank you, thank you, Luke. I didn't expect that, uh, but I started dating. And I met my present wife in church, by the way, I met my first wife in church too. Uh, the guy who 12 stepped me into this program used to say that church is a good place to pick up women. Uh, I began immediately being, uh, practicing being honest, uh, with, with this woman that I met. And, uh, this is a woman who became my second wife. Uh, and I, uh, one of the things that attracted her to me as she told me later was my bluntness. I kept telling her things she didn't expect a man to tell her. Uh, So, uh, uh, we began courting. Uh, Oh, and by the way, one of the first things I told her was that I was 40 years old and had two children and was divorced. And, uh, uh, she told me her age and uh, I was shocked. She was 17 years younger than I. Uh, now, this, I, I would not say it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's pathological for, for people to be 17 years difference in age and be courting. But in my case, there was a pathology. I think I was attracted to her Uh, because of how much younger she was. And I think it was not a healthy attraction. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, this relationship had a lot going against it. Uh, But what it had going for it was she is a very special person spiritually. And after we were recording for a while, she confronted me. She said, you know, I find that I get so close to you. And then I, I feel like there's a wall. I run into a wall. Uh, And I'd like to know what that's about. So I said to myself, well, here's where I lose this woman. Because I said to myself, "I'm, I'm going to be honest with her. That's what I'm doing right now. And so I sat her down and I told her about my unhealthy sexuality gave her an example of an acting out episode. And, uh, and, and I really, as I was doing that, I was writing her off. I was saying, uh, this is over now, but anyway, I'm, I'm practicing what I said I would practice. I'm being honest with a woman and, uh, and she didn't run off from me. Uh, later she told me that, uh, the way she was brought up, uh, she was brought up with the idea that men need sex and when they don't get sex, bad things happen. happen. And uh, that, that's what happened with me. Uh, she saw it as a, as a, uh, a one-off episode. And uh, uh, so she didn't run off from me. This is the woman I married. It didn't make me normal. Uh, I still was afflicted with fantasy, sexual fantasy and masturbation. Uh, and I still wanted to be in control. Uh, I see I have about five minutes left. Uh, I got married drunk, uh, And it was an insane marriage. But uh, we held together for two and a half years until uh, I got Uh, 12-stepped. Guy told me that there were people who called themselves sex addicts and had meetings and worked the 12 steps. And that's the first time I realized I was an addict. That's why I felt so at home with the alcoholics. So... uh, so I got sober sometime in July, 1985. I don't know exactly when, so I just say August 1st, 1985. Uh, now, many sexaholics tell me that they, they had... Uh, uh, Luke, you suppose I could have an extra five minutes? Thank you. Uh, I, many, many, uh, thank you. Many sexaholics tell me that when they first get sober, their mind clears; they feel more balanced emotionally. Didn't happen for me. I had uh, I had kept myself so numb with with uh, with lust that uh, when I first got sober, I really started to feel those feelings. And I again I had been reporting feelings to people, but I but it was practice. Now this was a real thing. I started feeling feelings that uh, uh, were uh, uh, just unbearable and especially rage, a lot of rage. Uh, uh, And the marriage almost didn't survive that, but we got through the next two years and I started to clear up. My mind started to clear. Uh, I'm going to cut to to something that uh, that I'd like to get to. Uh, and that is uh, this marriage, which I'm in, which shouldn't which shouldn't work. This should not be a successful marriage. Uh, but uh, I, I wanna talk about some of the things that, that I did and that we do to keep the marriage going. Uh, I had a hard time talking with my wife about my feelings. Again, I was still, scared of women. Uh, I was afraid of rejection, and and I don't know what else. Uh, In the early days of my marriage, I would get up at about 5.30 every morning and call a man in another state, uh, a sexaholic in another state, and I'd tell him about my my early morning, my waking feelings, uh, uh, because I couldn't tell my wife. And uh, he, all he did was listen to my feelings and say thanks, Art, and we'd hang up. Uh, and uh, I, I kept a journal. I would put my feelings down in the journal, and I would tell other members of my group about my feelings before I told my wife. After I had written about them in my journal, after I had told the rest of the group about them, uh, sometimes I could I could talk with my wife about them. Uh, I I haven't heard of anybody else who had so much trouble. Uh, But uh, but that was the way it was for me. Uh, I should uh, take time out and uh, tell you that early on in our relationship, I introduced my wife to the 12 step programs Uh, when we were dating. She got irritated at me. She said, you aren't spending enough time with me. Uh, You go into all these meetings and you're not spending time with me. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll drop one of my meetings if you'll go to a meeting with me. So she said, OK. And so we, we started going to an Al-Anon meeting together and that got her started in the 12 steps. And she still attends Al-Anon meetings. Uh, she's had alcoholism in her family in other ways. Uh, and, and she is she, she is a, an active member of Essanon. And that's one of the strengths of our marriage. So I needed to say that. And the other thing, uh, to talk about things that worked in our marriage, very early in our marriage, when uh, we had two young children, and, and by the way, I had two, two beautiful children in my first marriage, and, I, and God gave me two beautiful children in the second marriage. And when they were very young, uh, my wife was suffering, as new mothers often do, with, uh, with just being overwhelmed with childcare. And uh, so I said to her, I'll tell you what, I wanna take you on a date uh, every Saturday night. Every Saturday night, we're going out on a date and I will get the babysitter. And that was a brave thing for me to do. I'm a fearful person, but that was a brave thing for me to do Uh, and, uh, and I did it. So for decades, we have had a Saturday night date. Uh, so, uh, that's one of the strengths of our marriage. Now, of course, in the, during the pandemic, we don't go to the movie theater. We don't go to the plays, uh, or the music events that we used to go to. Uh, but every night, every, excuse me, every Saturday night, we dial up a movie on Netflix or Amazon prime or something like that. So we still have a Saturday night date, uh. We had a period of years when we wrote letters to each other. Uh, We would sit in bed take about 10 minutes. We'd have a question like, uh, uh, how do I feel about uh, the misbehavior of uh, one of the children today? Uh, Or how do I feel about disciplining the children? Uh, Or how do I feel about? our relationship, and, uh, and write letters, and we'd, we'd, we'd read each other's letter. Uh, we practiced abstinence a number of times, uh, and I, I don't have time to go into that. Uh, and uh, I practiced listening to her and making eye contact with her. Uh, one time our, our group had a dinner, our SA group had a dinner and I, I was there and I, one of my sponsees was there and his wife was there. And I noticed throughout the evening, he never looked at her. And I said, oh, do I look at my wife? So I, I, make, a, I make an effort always when we're talking, I will turn and look at her sometimes. If we're driving in the car, I would turn and look at her while I'm speaking uh, and, uh, and that's something that I practice. Uh, another digression. In 2017, I think there was an article in the essay. Uh, the title, I think, was The White Book is a Love Story. And it, it said that uh, it, it was a way of reading the white book as, as Roy's love story about him and his wife. And I always noticed how important his wife was in, in his writings. And uh, and so I think this, this is probably about making it in marriage. I had rituals as a as a sexaholic, and my wife and I have rituals in our marriage. Uh, every morning, whichever of us is is up second goes to the other one, and we say a prayer together. We do a, a morning check in. Remember, I used to call out of state uh, to that guy and tell tell him about my feelings. Well, now I check in my, my morning feelings with my wife and we say a prayer. And, uh, when one of us is leaving the house, we kiss, and we say goodbye. Uh, when one of us returns to the house, we kiss and greet each other. Now that may, I don't know, that may seem too rudimentary, but, uh, I was, I lived in Ireland, Rose and I lived in Ireland for a couple of years and, uh, we were at an Irish uh, convention. and One of the speakers, uh, and this is outside literature, one of the speakers said that uh, there was some research that that people, that married couples who who kissed hello and goodbye uh, had better marriages. So I just give that to you. Uh, when we go to bed at night, I always go and kiss my wife goodnight. Uh, before mar- meals, we say a prayer together and kiss if we're in a restaurant, we blow a kiss to each other. Uh, so we have a we have a, a rituals uh, when we travel together. We stop at Starbucks and get lattes, and we drive down the road drinking lattes together. That's kind of our communion. Uh, so I'm gonna uh, quit there because I'm I'm over my time as it is. But my my story is about. Uh, learning how to be with a woman in a relationship, which should not work. It is designed not to work, Uh, but uh, it's a good marriage and uh, I'm grateful that God has given it to me. And I appreciate you all for being here and listening to me. Thank you. Go ahead.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for your share, Art. I relate to a lot of what you have shared today, especially around thinking that getting married was going to fix me, that that was going to solve my uh, disease, pro- acting out problems, um, and of course, I, as as we do, I found that didn't work, um, and I, I like the. Um, Uh, what you shared about kissing your wife when you come and go and at other times. And I just wanted to share that uh, when I was newly married to my current husband, uh, and we've been married over 35 years now, uh, the research that we heard was uh, if a man kisses his wife goodbye on his way out the door to go to work, that those men are have less car accidents on the way to work, so so that's been um, that's been a practice that we've had all these years as well, and I think it's worked. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. I'll pass.
1: Thanks, Susie. Thanks,
3: Susan. Uh, Nancy.
4: Yeah, hi. My name is Anita I'm a sexaholic. Art, Thank you so much for sharing your story. I um I can relate to going to AA meetings um uh, the first year of my program. They there was no essay in my city, and so I went to AA and they say 90 and 90, and I was off work because of all this. Then I did 365 and 365. I learned so much. Well, I, I'm not shaking your head. I, I I learned so much from the program, so much about the steps. I'm really, really grateful. And I also can relate to um, someone saying, well, you know, there's a program for that too. And there was no judgment on their part. They were an AA person. Uh, She was a young woman in the parking lot after the meeting. I just want to let you know, I really appreciate the way you told your story and the what it was like part was enough to let us know that you are a sexaholic and that you did not find it necessary to go into the specific details of your acting out. Um, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's
1: Nancy. Thank you, Luke. My name is Kathleen, I'm a
4: recovery last
5: addict I also want to say thank you very much, Art, for your share and uh, for sharing in such a calm way. Um, I was able to listen to it and to understand it, and um, and I want to say that uh, yeah, I identify with the fantasies, um, fantasies since I was a child, and uh, the the identification with the problem in the essay white book. Uh, feeling unworthy and afraid um, and different. And uh, I like what you said about uh, the eye contact or, or also first the question you mentioned, am I able to love? That it's a, it's a shocking question really. And I, I also, I asked myself that when I wrote my fourth step inventory and I deal with uh, children on a daily basis and I started to make more eye contact with them. That's what I was uh, reminded about when you shared and to try to really create a relationship with uh, with them in the way I work. Yeah, so thank you very much. Thanks.
6: Thanks, Catherine. Daniil. Hi everyone, Daniil, great for coming to Thank you so much, Art. Bye, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate seeing you. I appreciate uh, knowing you, having a, a little relationship with you. I wish it was uh, more of a relationship. Um, and I really appreciate your share, uh, especially the summary, the the, the, the way you summarized at the end. My, you know, my story is basically the story of you know learning. I really relate to that. Learning how to be a gentleman with my wife and not be a monster, that's my story. Learning how to have a relationship with my wife. Learning how to put myself uh behind and not forefront of where her needs are. And also, you know, I'm going through a lot of big process right now of learning how to not make it about me. Not not make her moods or her uh quibbles about me. Uh, not because then the emotional craziness that comes up from that, it it kind of fogs everything and doesn't allow her to go through what she's going through. So um getting myself out of the way. And uh, a lot of inspiration, uh, a lot of inspiration I got from, and I get from your story, whether it's the, you know, just the innocent, the, just the date once a week, um, you know, I get I get from that moderation, you know, if it was something we I'd have a date every night with my wife, you know, um, or the inspiration to write a letter. Um, we definitely text each other all day long. I don't know if it's the same. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a work in progress. Uh, thanks, thanks for letting me share. And again, I really appreciate you, Art. Thank you.
7: Thanks, Daniel. Stan. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Uh, thanks, Art, for um, your share. Uh, definitely related to a lot of uh, what you had to share about the. Um, your walk and um, being afraid of women, um, giving them some sort of magical powers, uh, living in fantasy in, my, in, in your head. Um, I can relate with all of that. Um, uh, yeah, I guess uh, for me, your question was, um, when it comes uh, to your divorce uh, from your first wife, um, what uh, some of your experience, strength, and hope as far as uh, how you handle that and um, what you learned from that situation?
1: Thanks, Stan. That was a 10-year marriage. I think it was probably over by the seventh year. Uh, The last three years, my wife kept saying, I'm going to divorce you, Art. I'm going to divorce you. And I would say, uh, uh, okay, I can't stop you, but I'm not going to divorce you. Uh, and I resisted ending that marriage. Uh, one of the reasons was I was afraid if I went back out and and lived single again, I would be more dangerous to other people. Uh, and that was, uh, that was not only concern for other people was selfishness. I, 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 uh, I, I was afraid of what I, what might happen to me, uh, I also had religious compunctions against divorce. Uh, But I became convinced that, uh, that there was no, there was no love left in the marriage, no life left in the marriage. And, uh, and my first wife and I, instead of benefiting each each other, made each other sicker. Uh, And, and I remember now, uh, one of the things that convinced me, Stan, to give up was that uh, and this, again, is selfish, but I uh, I realized that when I used to go home from work. As I approached the street where I shared a house with my wife, uh, I would get more and more tense and more and more afraid. And uh, after we separated I would go home, I, would, I lived in a 23 and a half foot travel trailer, so that, that was not a very uh, nice place to live, but I realized when I would go home from work, I would feel so much better, and so I said, this is what this marriage is doing to me, so that, that was a selfish thing. Now I had two children, uh, they were a reason I didn't want to uh, separate, but uh, it, just, it, it just came to seem too painful to be in that marriage. I hope that helps.
7: Uh, Absolutely, Art. Um, No, I just, um, I have the same problems. I've been in the program almost two and a half years, and I recognize I'm still afraid of my wife, and I have a fear. And um, when she's not home, I like that. And when she's home, I don't like being around her. But I recognize um, I have a choice, and uh, i got to choose to be in my marriage one day at a time. My wife is threatening divorce, and she's been threatening divorce for a long time. Uh, she says the marriage has been over for probably about the last three to six years. And that's where I just got to work my program one day at a time and uh, follow my sponsor's directions and keep praying to my higher power. So I definitely relate with that and appreciate your share, man. Thank you.
3: Nice
8: Dan. Gary, it's your turn. Uh, thank you. Luke. Thank you, Art. It's good to see you again. I appreciate your share. Uh, I was really taken by what you said about your early experience in the AA meetings. I did that too, and not as an alcoholic, attended AA meetings and was fortunate to be able to be invited to attend uh, not just open meetings, but regular meetings with a particular group. And I hadn't thought about your expression of initially seeing these people quote as ugly and then coming to see them as beautiful. And I deeply touched by that because it, 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 it is my experience too, but I couldn't, I didn't have that expression. And the other part of that is that it it let me see myself differently eventually, and it prepared me to see the people who came into our doors differently without ever having seen them as ugly, to see them as beautiful when they first came through the door. I am so touched by that, because I I did I went to AA meetings for seven years, even when I had SA coin because something was happening there, and I knew that the Spirit of God was there, and it was a great thing, but... Your expression just touches me because it brings that to life for me. And then also I want to just thank you for what you what you shared about your marriage and, and the need to, to get our marriage's attention. Uh, I'm very fortunate that uh, my marriage now, 51 years, survived uh, my sexaholism. Very unlikely under all circumstances except for love. And in our white book, it says that, the third step particularly but it says this all pro, this whole program is a matter of the heart so i'm very grateful for that and i thank you thank you for letting me share thank you
9: Dan. arash yes thank you hi my name is arash um sexolic. thank you very much art it was uh, really nice to hear hear your story um, i also feel still feel inadequate unworthy afraid not So much alone, thanks God, because I have you guys. Um, I'm really grateful to hear your story sharing about your marriage because it's not something which people usually talk about. Uh, what I usually hear about uh, people who are not married, how to get married, when to get married, and um, and also that you're sharing your joy about your marriage. Uh, thanks God, I got married in. SA with my wife, but we were together in 15 years. So I was in another S program, then I joined uh, SA, and we were still living together, and I called myself sober. And then I got encouraged by Luke, who is here, thank you so much, to to go through. I mean, to in order to stay sober and call myself sober, think about marriage. Uh, and uh, of course, I proposed, and we got married. Um, just because of essay, Uh, sobriety definition, uh, which I'm really grateful for. Um, I had just one short question, Uh, Art. You mentioned about writing this letter. Can you please explain that a little bit more? Um, How did that work? Uh, It was really interesting. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Arash, for the question. this was a program that we, uh, we went to a church weekend to get this uh, program and uh, I'm not going to name the program because it's not, it's not SA or 12 step, but, uh, most churches and pr- probably, uh, many other, uh, maybe synagogues and, uh, 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 other religious institutions have a program like this. And, uh, you have a question for each evening, well, we did it in the evenings, Uh, you have a question, and it can be almost any question that relates to the marriage or the family. And uh, you you don't write for very long, only write for uh, three or four or five minutes, just write about feelings. And uh, then at the end of the three or four or five minutes, Uh, we we would trade notebooks and I would read what she wrote and she would read what I wrote. And then we'd talk about it. Uh, And we didn't talk long about it mostly. And of course we had other, you know, we could talk about it for five minutes and then the next day we could talk about it some more if we wanted, but uh, uh, that's the outline of it. And we did that for years. Uh, I, I would, I'm, might've been seven or eight years that we we continued that. And and I think that's one of the reasons that we're still married. Thanks.
9: Thank you.
10: Lee? Hi, my name's Lee and I'm a sexaholic. Art, uh, it's good to see you. I don't know if you remember me, but we saw each other in uh, some of those early meetings in Nashville and uh, I remember you well um I am, I am glad to hear you talk about marriage uh, my marriage uh, has survived 50 years uh, you did better than I did I didn't have full disclosure until I was uh, 15 years married and my wife found me in a pool of blood with drugs and uh, and unconscious and pornography so there was full disclosure uh, uh, without my participating in but uh, it, it came about, things opened up, and we've been married 50 years. Uh, the first 15 was codependency. The uh, last 35 had been much better. The writing has been a real fun. I was upset one time and I complained to Harvey and he finally said, "I want you to tell her some way, somehow, every day that you love her. I don't care how you do it. And so I started writing a poem every day. And for the last uh, 25 to 30 years, I write her a four-line verse that rhymes and uh, just stating that very thing. And that changed the way she felt. But more importantly, it changed how I felt. And the relationship really solidified. So I think that writing back and forth is a big deal. That's it. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Uh,
3: Juan Carlos, would you like to share? I think.
1: Yes. Uh, thank you, Luke. Uh,
11: what a wonderful uh, Art. Uh, I appreciate a lot. Uh, I feel very connected and uh, related with your with your share. Uh, I think many, most of the, all your or your or your details you have shared with us uh, apply for me. Uh, I, I was, I'm still afraid of women. Uh, I feel I feel inadequate uh, among men also, so I don't know perhaps uh, how to solve it. But well, it times goes. Uh, also, uh, you find uh, you found uh, normality in your marriage. Uh, I also married my wife because I wanted to be normal. Um, last next Monday is going to be my 32 anniversary of wedding. Um, well, I hope uh, um, I am uh, three uh, three years in 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 SA in sobriety, uh, but I I I don't I, I haven't catch the the meaning how to how to love uh, the spirit of love, uh, and so two questions: uh, Are you still afraid of women? And the second one: uh, How do you love your wife?
1: Thank you. Thank you, Juan Carlos. Uh, Yes, I'm still afraid of women, uh, but not so much afraid of women. And I have friends who are women, and that's that's a wonderful thing. Uh, And uh, yes, I I am capable of love. And uh, I love my wife. I love my children. Uh, and. Uh, but I, I think, again, these these, uh, uh, these. Habits or rituals in our marriage that I've talked about. Uh, they make love concrete. And, uh, oh, and by the way, <laughs> we hug each other a lot. Uh, either one of us can. If we're in the same room, either one of us can put his or her arms out and the other will come over and, and we hug. Uh and this makes love concrete and uh uh I, I I'm still a very imperfect person spiritually, uh still a very limited person, uh, but I'm I think God has given me uh, the gift of being able to love. So uh that would be my response. Thank you. Thank
10: you very much, Arthur. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Art. At this point, people with less than one month of sobriety can also share. Um, and I see that Shivam, you're you're next in line.
12: Thank you. Uh thank you, Art, for your share. I uh, really appreciate this. Thank you, Lou, for putting this up. Uh, you know, I'm not married. and I'm sharing about. For me, the meeting was more about a message of food. Uh, I just, uh, and you know, I just like the way, I, I like the way it was, you know, put up all this time. I really was not kind of going through withdrawals and stuff, but just as a message of food that, you know, this lies, there is lies a very good time. I, I have a hard time, you know, uh, connecting with others. I'm Really, I can see it now. I'm kind of around, like, something less than uh, a week, less than uh, two months, seven weeks something. So, and now I'm coming to see. I do I'm really not able to connect with my father, or my mother. Really, it, it, it gets. I, I see that you know spiritual disconnection which I have, and I'm grateful to be here in this in this SA community before uh, you know getting married. I'm grateful that, you know, I have a situation Thank you. Thank you. We're
3: coming close to the end of the meeting or at least to the wrapping up time. Is there anyone else who still wants to ask something? Please raise your hand virtually or on the screen if I can see it. Denise
10: Hi I just wanted to say hello to all you lovely people um, I'm really sorry I missed the meeting I thought I got confused at the time and it's just really warmed my heart to see you all and uh, thanks art for for being there now and in the past. So thanks everybody I leave it at that. Thank you.
1: Good to see you Denise.
10: The meeting is
3: being recorded, Denise, so um, it's on, on a link on the internet. So, uh, Daniel, I think you, you raised your hand also.
13: Yeah, I'm glad the meeting is being recorded because I'm sorry, Art, I, I, caught, I got here late, right at the tail end of your, your share. <clears throat> but it was sort of one of those God incidences instead of a coincidence, you know, nothing happens by chance. Because just as I joined the meeting, you were talking about the different rituals with your wife. And my wife and I are currently in the process, after 20 years of marriage, of moving from codependence and unhealthy relationships to something more substantial. And those rituals are are part of what we're trying to, to rebuild. And one which really struck me is looking at your wife. Because boom, when you said it, it was like a dagger in my heart because I remember my old behavior. I would be out with my wife, but my radar was on and I was looking and drinking in other things and not looking at my wife. And what a powerful effect that has now when you look into her eyes and talk to her. You know, um, so I thank you very much. And I thank, I guess, my higher power for tuning in right right when you were talking about that. So I, I really appreciate that and I'm glad it's being recorded. Thank you. Oh, Daniel Sexaholic from Barcelona. Did I even say that at the
1: beginning? <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. It's, uh, I guess, thank you for the gift of acceptance because when, I've told my story a number of times in different gatherings And uh, nevertheless, uh, some of the things I talk about are, uh, which you read between the lines, are shocking. And and to have the acceptance that I've received received back from you all uh, uh, really is uplifting for me. Uh, so thank you. And uh, I'll tell my wife that I had a very good experience with you. Thanks.
3: <laughs> thank you very much, Art.
0: I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.